Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, welcome to episode 43 of the Leading Off Podcast. As always, I'm here as Matthew Braun, joined here by Cooper Carlson. And for the first time in about, uh, I guess, about three years, we have something other than negotiations to talk about. What a concept. Yeah, it's kind of odd. My favorite thing about this, these negotiations that have been going on in this podcast, linking it, uh, every time they get longer and longer, your intro gets more uh, just depressing and more just sort of, <laughs> hello, everybody, welcome out. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back here with no baseball. I love it. It sets the mood perfectly. It's it's just crushed my soul to the point where I'm like, all right, let's just get this shit over with. I'm so tired. <laughs> I, I mean, I completely understand. It's been just, it's been horrible. I mean, I don't know what else to say. But it looks like it's coming to an end, and we're going to have a 48-55 to 55 game season coming up. It's coming to an end, but not in a good way. Yeah, that's true. It's coming so, to the end we all kind of expected. Unfortunately, yes. But uh, we'll talk about that. We'll be talking about uh, a certain retirement from a player that was announced recently. And we're going to have Andrew Thayer's on in a little bit. And he's going to kind of walk us through the Twins draft, uh, how that went, because... Uh, there was a draft. I it was it was kind of jarring. It just kind of snuck up on me. I don't know about you. Yeah, same. The MLB draft isn't something that every year I like. You know, write on my cal. I don't. I don't write anything on my calendar. But it's not you know something I really look forward to. Just I don't know. It's not as it's not nearly as engaging as like the NBA or NHL draft or anything like that. But yeah, it did happen this week, and we will be going over that with an expert because me and Matt are the farthest thing you will find from a MLB draft expert. Yeah. I, I, you know, we just shit post about these players and like all that. I, I don't know anything. Yeah. You had, I don't remember what your tweet was, but it was my favorite tweet you've ever had. You can tell by by me not remembering it, but I liked it. No, it was, uh, I remember it actually very specifically because they took in the second round. Was it, uh, Alaric, (laughs) Solere, sure. I, I hope I didn't pronounce that wrong. And I said, love this pick for the Twins. Who's Alaric Solere? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was good. Because I related very much. <laughs> that, that's kind of how it goes. But uh, uh, first things first was the uh, announced retirement of Mr. Denard Spann. Uh, he pretty much said he's walking away from baseball. He said he had offers to play for teams, minor league contracts, but uh, just didn't want to do that. I mean, pretty much that's pretty fair considering he's an 11-year veteran. I, you know, if I played in the league for 11 years, I don't think I'd ever want to then sign a minor league deal. So kind of unfortunate that's the way he had to go was the fact that, like, no one wanted to sign him and more like he got forced into retirement. But still a pretty good career for him. Uh, you know, I uh, got his 
uh, baseball reference page up here, almost 1,500 hits. Uh, let's see, career 281 batting average, career OPS plus 103, and 28 career war. So pretty good career. And also, um, he had 72 triples and 71 home runs. I like that stat. It's pretty Whoa, good stat. Whoa, more there. triples than homers. Yeah. And when it, I mean, when it's anything above, like, 30 triples. It's pretty impressive if you have more than homers, I guess. So interesting. He also in a uh, in the year 2014 finished 19th in MVP, but I think everyone remembers that, you know, Denard's fans notorious 19th MVP finish 2014 season. 2014 with Washington, yeah, of course. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Uh, it's funny you bring that up cuz triples are kind of janky cuz look, 2013 11 triples, 2014 eight triples, no triples in 2015. <laughs> Like, how does that work? Huh. Yeah, look at that. That's too odd. And he had, he went 7, 10, 10, 5, 4, then back up to 11. Oh, that's a nice one. Solid career all around, though, you're right. He had a lot of stolen bases. He had, like, 47. He had 68 in 2009. That's just insane. Wait. I, oh, I'm looking no, at, wait. I'm looking at runs batted in. Just delete this entire segment. Uh, I was going to say, there's no way that's correct. I said it, and I was like, there's n- did I just say that out loud? Like, there's no way. <laughs> like, what? All right. I know he stole some bases, but 68, I think <laughs> I'd remember that. I, I was like, I just read 26, but now I'm saying 68 out of my mouth. Why would that happen? <laughs> well, you, tw- you stole 23 that year. What are you even like? Yeah, okay. I uh, Yes, you're right. All right. But I read it wrong. We're going to have to apologize for Cooper's crackheadness that's going on right now. Hopefully they're all still. Hopefully they shut it off right after you really uh, let down intro. That's all I'm saying. Oh, so okay. So now this is my fault. Yes, I need it to be. I well, it's not, not going to be. I'm I'm sorry to tell. You. Oh man. But uh, so oh, well. that great career for span. Uh, next thing I want to talk about was the ongoing and ever going and eternal uh, MLBPA discussion with the owners and how the hell are we going to get baseball back? And well. It's it's been a mess if you followed like anything at all. Uh, it just has not gone well. The owners have just like sliced the same shitty like thing just three different times. It's it's so strange. It's like it's like counting change, you know. It's like okay, what if we gave you four quarters? And like no, like, all right, what if we gave you ten dimes? It's like what? It's the same offer. <laughs> We're not stupid. Like we we can do yeah. math. Yeah, it was just pretty obvious they were just sending out the same offer, just making it look different, just waiting for this time where that has now come, where Rob Manfred will have to just say, all right, this is what we're going to do. This is the season. Deal with it. Like, basically, this is what you're getting. And, you know, it's going to be 48 to 55 games. And this is going to be full prorated salaries, but it's just going to be a, the weird, it's going to be the weirdest season we will ever watch. It's, well, it's going to be the dumbest season. Yes, yeah, that's also true. I'll, I'll say that much. And th- this was, it kind of felt like this was the entire end game for the owner side where they're like, if we just keep wasting time and um, <clears throat> eating days with all these terrible offers, eventually <clears throat> the commissioner has the power to just be like, okay, we're playing like 50 games or whatever. And that's pretty much like the, the law of the land. Like you can't argue that. Uh, and so the players saw that and I think realized that and, uh, uh, what, what's his name? Tony Clark uh, released a press thing, whatever. Is basically like, all right, stop wasting our time. Just tell us when, where, and we'll play. And yeah, 
So they kind of just gave into that. Yeah, and then the MLB released a statement saying the players associate players association refuses to negotiate fairly or like give up any ground. That was. Did you see that letter? Yeah, it. I I just ignore anything they say because they're just wrong. Yeah, it's just how can how I don't understand like just going out and vilifying all the players like in baseball literally. It's just like that doesn't make any sense. It's that's your employees. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it it doesn't seem wise to like throw your players underneath the bus because I don't know if they know this, but we don't give a shit about owners. Like, they do understand this, correct? Like, I'm not looking at these negotiations like, God, I hope the owners win this. I've always wanted them to pull it out. Like, we're in the final I, you know, I have, you know, you say that, but I've seen some bootlickers in the comments. That's true. I've, I've seen it. You've, I've seen it. You, you can't hide from me. I've seen you guys. You'd be, I'm ashamed of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Pull up my jersey that just says owner and like number 16 <laughs> on the back or something. Just <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, my my ledgers gets a lot yeah, of yes. gets a lot of play sometimes. <laughs> I uh, might buy one as a joke. I spend my <laughs> money on dumb things. May as well. Yeah, yeah. Why not? You know that paycheck comes in <laughs> custom ledgers. Oh, That's so stupid. Now I want to see it. Like yeah, whatever. I don't know, but so. That'll be going on. Like you said, uh, MLB made their statement. It kind of sounded like they weren't fully giving up. Because I think they also then realized, like, wait, this is a terrible look. If, you know, then we just kind of force them to play this. Maybe we should actually still make it look like we're trying to give a shit. But I think most people have seen through their facade by now. I think most people kind of understand what they're doing. Yeah, and... Did you see the uh, Jim Bowden tweet that was just kind of like the owners aren't stupid enough to uh, it'll to have a fifty game season? They'll give us the seventy to eighty with full prorated. It's like, what makes you think that at all? I didn't I didn't understand that. Did Did you see that? I didn't see that, but I do know that uh, Jim Bowden has known to be wrong a lot. So, yeah. I hear. Believe it or not, owners are not dumb enough to implement a forty. Yeah, no, okay. Uh, Have you been paying any attention? They absolutely are. This is what they've been hoping for the whole time. Yeah, I... Wow, I mean... People, you gotta up your takes on Twitter these days, okay? I'm I'm very ashamed of everything. All of you. I'm calling out everyone here, okay? I've seen it. Your parents wouldn't be proud of it. I know I'm not proud of it, so step up your game, okay? My Twitter presence has died. It's like (laughs) one every two days or something. Just something to keep it going. Or... uh, I, I'm with that, or just randomly shit posting about stuff. Yeah. Like, like the uh, oh god, what was like the Mike Clevenger one? I just. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was not good. Don't, don't, it, don't, don't. It was don't good. Think. Like uh, only I would think it's good is what I'm saying, I guess. But yeah. No, which means it's bad. So thank. You. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh, we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Andrew about the Twins draft. All right, and we are back, joined here by the draft master himself, Andrew Thayers. Uh, how you doing here, Andrew? Uh, doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing 
doing pretty good. Cooper's not doing well. He's never doing well. So uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry to speak for you, but I, I know how it goes. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's all good. Yeah, no, I know. So, uh, Andrew here, you, you're kind of our draft expert for Twins Daily. Uh, I'd say you've kind of taken the initiative more than anyone else. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily classify myself as a expert compared to some of the other games, but this is my third year covering the draft for Twins Daily. And, you know, I try to put as much work in as I can because I, you know, got to hold up to the high quality product that you know, Twins Daily always has so I want to make sure it's you know the same thing with the draft coverage as well. All right, I and, and again I love that uh, that dichotomy between you like doing all this work and then there's Tom just like uh, Aaron's a thick boy, just phenomenal <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yes, I saw that. That too was pretty funny. Great stuff. So uh, uh, we got a few questions here. So first and foremost, this was a very unique draft. Uh, they cut it down from forty to five, which. Uh, I think everyone kind of agreed it's a little ridiculous, but uh, I want to just want to know what were your thoughts on the the five round draft, and what do you think the reasoning was behind that to cut it down from forty all the way to just five? Yeah, well, obviously, first off, my thoughts is as someone that loves the draft every year and is covering it, and it's such a big part of I do is you know rather annoying that this had to happen. Now, granted, in the grand scheme of everything going on, it's relatively minute, but you know, still another one of those just small little things about everything going on with coronavirus that is just kind of frustrating. But, you know, I still think that even with all of it going on, the reason it had to go down to five is just absolutely ridiculous. It was, a, in my opinion, a cheap way for the owners to just try to save a few dollars here and there. And, you know, initially when they're talking like, hey, we're going to shorten it, it could be anywhere between five and 10 rounds. And my thought was, okay, well, if we can at least get 10 rounds, it works similar to a normal draft because you know, as people that are familiar with the draft know, the first 10 rounds work on a bonus pool structure where each pick is assigned a slot value. And then you can, you know, assign, which adds up to a total bonus pool and you can sign players to that slot, slot amount. So if you at least had 10, you could have at least that part of the draft, which is normal. And then rounds 11 through 40 are kind of just normally a crapshoot anyway with players hardly getting any money. Um, so it could have been somewhat normal, but cutting down to five, um, I was, I was looking at it and I calculated the slot values from last year's draft, um, from around six through 10. And as a total, it accumulated for $28.4 million, which means on a per team basis, the league saved less than a million dollars per team by cutting out round six through 10. And money was cited as like the main reason as to why the owners wanted it shortened. So it's like, we're talking about you know, a very minuscule amount of money. It's it's $8 million less than what Garrett Cole is getting paid on a per year basis. And that's for the entire league as a whole. So it's, you know, it seemed a little ridiculous to cut it down to five, in my opinion. For some reason, I am a, I find myself not at all surprised that the owners went based on this small amount of money and just decided not to have these rounds. It's just something about recent events has me leaning towards not being surprised here, I guess. Just now, on. now, what what would make you say something like that? That's <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way, that it's just twenty eight million total. So, and you break it down thirty teams, obviously, that's less than one area Adrianza for each team. That's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, that's the, like again using the Garrett Cole reference is the amount per start that they're pay paying him is a million dollars. The Yankees are paying Garrett Cole a million dollars per start, and that's what each team saved by not having rounds six through ten. It's just just 
you know, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And even a number of scouts now, granted, the actual you know employees for the teams can't really step up and you know voice their opinions against the ownership. It's kind of a hard situation to put yourself in. But you know, just kind of hearing rumblings, there, you know, the scouts and everyone whose job primarily revolves around them will be draft like twin scouting director Sean Johnson. You know, it had to be frustrating that majority of what they do for the year was just taken away relatively needlessly. Well, and I got to imagine also you think about the, the, I don't know, thousands of local scouts out there, you know, they're busting their ass going around to all these random locations. As when you cut it down to five, there's such a minute chance that any of the guys they look at are even going to be considered as far as drafting. So I've, I've got to imagine for some of them to know that your job is almost pointless and almost meaningless. That that's got to sting. Yeah, for sure. And you can look at like, oh, this spring season was cut short. A lot of high school guys didn't even play. The college season was 15 to 20 games long for most teams. So they didn't get that last look. But you know, the draft scouting isn't just this spring leading up to it. You know, these players, even the high schoolers have been scouted for years. And these scouts have been putting a ton of time and hours into these players, you know, to get their teams ready for drafting them. And so it's, you know, it's it's got to be, you know, frustrating that, you know, all this hard work that you're doing is just getting thrown away. So yeah, now with this, with this all being said, uh, of course, uh, how do you think the twins did in the draft? Uh, did you like the picks they made? Uh, I believe they had four. Cause they lost one for Josh Donaldson. Yeah, we have four. We lost. Yeah. The one for Josh Donaldson, we lost the third rounder. We also lost the competitive balance round B pick, which we traded to the Dodgers to, in the Kenta Maeda trade. Oh. So we could have actually had six down to four, but, I mean, even as a draft guy, I'm perfectly fine giving up those two picks to add Kent Tamayeta and Josh Donaldson to the current Twins roster. So, But um, overall, I thought I really liked what they did with their picks. Um, before the draft, I was kind of contemplating a number of different strategies that they could use in this to attack their situation. Not only did they only have four picks, but they also had a little over $4 million in their total bonus pool, which was the 27th most in Major League Baseball. So basically, they had one of the smallest bonus pool structures to work with, which gives you very little flexibility in what you can do. Um, also, picking at 27, the level of talent, there's a drastic drop-off in the level of talent between the top 10 picks and pick number 27. So what you're searching for kind of changes um, there as well. But I was a big fan of landing Aaron Sabato in the first round. That you know, The Twins really have a clear cut what they want to do uh, early in drafts, which is we want the best hitters we can get. Now, a lot of them have turned out to be corner, you know, players, whether left field, right field, first or third base, but they just want really good hitters in their system and then let everything go from there, which I think is a good strategy. There's um, a track record of them panning out a lot better than pitching does just with so many other factors playing into pitching that don't go into hitting. So, and it doesn't matter if your farm system is super loaded at one position and sucks at the other, because you can just, you just want quality assets that you can trade or you can move around or that can eventually become part of your major league roster. And I, that's my, I think personally, my best approach to the draft would just be what's the best possible asset we can add. I don't care what position. Yeah, so. for sure. And, um, well, I was looking at Twitter and the, Twins drafted Ulrich. Is it pronounced Ulrich Solare? Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's how I've gotten. I've been looking at okay, some stuff sure. on Tennessee. I've I followed the play for a few years, but I haven't really like gotten 
you know, it seems like a lot of announcers can't figure out how to pronounce his name either. <laughs> um, but Alrix Talore is kind of what I've gotten. Sure. Um, All right. From that too. So when they drafted him, was it was I? Am I wrong in this? But a lot of people seemed surprised at the pick, like it was a reach almost. But yeah. Um, it was. It surely wasn't the name that I was considering at that point in time. But the, the moment the pick was made, I instantly knew what strategy the Twins are going okay. for, and it, and it was confirmed with their next two picks in the draft, which made the pick make a lot more sense. Again, he's another bat first corner player that they really like in the upside. But the big factor with this pick is they were able to save. Uh, they're going to be able at least to save um, a decent amount of money. Um, under slot value by picking him, which is something that they can turn around and use on the two high schoolers that they took with their fourth and fifth round picks who are going to need more money than their slot value is worth in order to sign, presumably speaking. So that's why um, that's why I was a fan of that. It's the same thing with uh, Ryan Jeffers two years ago. Again, he was another okay. name that I'd come across, but I hadn't done a ton of research. He wasn't super highly thought of, so the name kind of caught me by surprise. But again, it made a lot of sense. They... They were able to save money on him. They were also a lot bigger than him, a lot of scouts. And, you know, it seems like the Twins are really high on Solare. Uh, they were right with Jeffers, so maybe they were right with Solare more than just the national, you know, scouts mm -hmm. tend to believe. Uh, but the big thing with Jeffers is they were able to save money that they could use later in the draft. And I think that's a big part of what they were doing here to try to not just get, oh, one or two really good guys, but to get four quality prospects with this draft, which is something I think they did. All right. Yeah, sounds good. So the 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 baseball draft, and granted, I've only I've also only been following it for just a few years, not nearly as closely as some people. But uh, I, I get the feeling through a lot of it that there's a lot more strategy involved than compared to like the NFL draft, where a lot of that is we need a defensive end first round. We got a defensive end in the first round. It's plug and play. Whereas MLB, not only have you said do you, you kind of want to go best player available. There's also that strategy of maybe let's save a little bit of money here so we can go get that high school guy. Uh, I remember uh, this was a big thing I talked about when they drafted Royce Lewis. Uh, they got him, so they were able to then sign, uh, I believe it was Blaine Enloe later in that draft. So, yep. yeah. So uh, it, I'm getting kind of the feel that past like the first roundish and even in the later first roundish you have to really have a strategy more so than just pick guys who are good at baseball yeah i wouldn't necessarily say that it has more strategy than like say the nfl draft for example i think it just has different strategy okay. um, because the strategy is you know it's more complex and maybe it's not on the surface as straightforward to fans because you know it's dealing with money it's moving it around it's you know, like last year, the Twins, they ended up saving a fair amount of money in the first 10 rounds under slot value, which they could turn around. And even though picks 11 through 40 in most drafts, um, there's no slot values. But if you sign a player above $125,000, it counts out of your slot. Well, that's what they did to go get Edward Julian in the 18th round. Last year, they spent like $307,000 over slot in the 18th round to go get him. So there's definitely strategy that way. But at the same rate, there's no trading draft picks like there is in the NFL draft, which is a huge part of the strategy when it comes to the NFL or the NBA drafts. Um, you know, that's different that the MLB doesn't have. Now you can trade competitive balance picks like the twins traded um, their competitive balance round B pick to the Dodgers, but those make up like 10 to 12 picks of the entire draft. 
Um, and I'm almost positive they have to be traded before the draft happens, like in the case with the Twins. So there really isn't strategy that way, but there's strategy in a different way. So. Okay. Okay. I, I threw too much shit on the NFL. I have to apologize <laughs> to the NFL. Uh, no, I don't apologize for shit to the NFL. But uh, anyways, we're going to take a quick ad break here. And when we come back, we'll still be talking to Andrew. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are back. Still here talking to Andrew. Got a few more questions. Uh, still breaking down the MLB draft and kind of what just went down. Uh, although this isn't specifically now about the MLB draft, but the post-draft, how uh, I put it as this undrafted free-for-all that's kind of uh, been put in motion today. Uh, and so I want to ask you, uh, I don't know if you understand, I don't really understand this. So could you maybe explain how this undrafted uh, process is working and what advantages do the Twins possibly have when trying to convince guys to sign with them? All right. So um, basically how this works is any of the players that were draft eligible that were not taken during the five round draft are eligible to sign contracts with teams up to a maximum of $20,000 for their signing bonus, which is very small for um, players drafted. Usually it's only college seniors that ever sign for anything below that. So those are the players that we're going to be seeing getting signed here that some of them, while they'll have the extra year of eligibility, um, if they can get $20,000 now, that's probably more than they're going to get even a year from now uh, when they have zero leverage and they might get $10,000 or less. So that's kind of the area that we're looking at is it's going to be almost exclusively college seniors who, like I said, do were granted another year of eligibility by the NCAA. Um, now how it works is it's kind of works like college recruiting is the best example I can think of. You know, you can't offer millions of dollars more. Now, granted, there's a lot of people that think college sports do that, but on the face value, it's just like offering a scholarship, a $20,000 scholarship to players. So you have to use what does your team do outside of just the financial commitment to separate yourself. So you got to pitch. So like certain things the twins will be pitching is, um, and that's part of their advantages are like their, infrastructure that they've built up in the minor league system to develop players. Um, that's something that they have gone full force on over the last few years with the new regime. And, you know, they really see value in that. And that's something that they can pitch the players because personally, if I was a player in this situation and I was deciding which team, you know, granted a lot of guys might just want to sign with their favorite team, but I think a lot of players are thinking what organization gives me the best chance to make it, to take my skills to the next level and maybe become a major leaguer. And so I would be looking at a team like the Twins or other organizations that have great facilities in place and great track record of player development and just that show that they really want that so I can take my levels, my abilities to the next level and maybe make it to the majors and make some real money down the road. So that's kind of where the Twins are at. And uh, one thing Sean Johnson, the Twins scouting director, talked about um, that they think is a big advantage is they have spent a ton of time on these players and their player development staff is 
looked at to specific things that they can do to help a certain player. So when they approach them and pitch them, they say, hey, we really like this about you. We think this is a great feature and we can do X, Y, and Z for you as a player to make you better and bring you to the next level. And that's really the pitch that they're giving to these players. And I think the hard work that they've put in and the preparation that they've done is really something that's going to give them a big leg up on teams that you know might not have spent that time and energy on it. Yeah, so me and Matt have actually, well, we've talked quite a bit probably about the behind-the-scenes stuff that the Twins have set up since the new regime has showed up. And this might be one of the, well, we'll finally be like seeing it firsthand kind of when these guys get signed. They'll be credited to what's happened since they've arrived because the five years ago Twins, I would, I mean, I don't think they were nearly as um, at the top for this kind of stuff as the Twins are currently, so. Yeah, so we're going to see it paying off now, which is going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, I also think just the success that they had last year, like, you know, people are big fans of that young, up-and-coming, small-market team that's getting really good. That's why a lot of teams, like, that's why a lot of random baseball fans, maybe like the Rays, for example, or certain other small-market teams that they're Mm up-and-coming and they haven't won much, and they, you know, I think a lot of general fans want the Twins to dethrone the Yankees eventually or something like that, if it's even possible, which I'm that, that'll never happen. Yeah. Um, but so I think that could be something where, you know, the twins are an exciting organization to be in right now from an out, from a, just a general fan or, you know, a non twins fan perspective. So I think uh, that could be something that helps them as well. Sure. See, uh, I, I like how you uh, likened it to uh, sort of the college uh, recruitment process. Cause that's kind of what it feels like. Uh, I was thinking this entire thing, it kind of feels like speed dating. Isn't it? We're just giving your pitch in five minutes, and you're like, "All right, you know, what are your thoughts?" Um, I guess yeah. We're not the dra- this is why we're not the draft experts. <laughs> yeah, you um, know, I got to make analogies. That there's guess, no other way I can do this. I guess to an extent, because obviously the teams aren't able to spend as much time recruiting these players um, now as like, you know, a big time college program will spend you know years recruiting players to try to get them. So obviously, there's less of a. Um, you know, uh, I'm just drawing a blank on the word, but like a, a attraction process. That's no, not the word I'm looking for, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it's an abbreviated speed dating version of this. You can kind of say that. It's not a terrible analogy. I, it wasn't terrible. Thank you. I, yeah. I appreciate it. I take pride in my analogies. Uh, <laughs> and so last question I have for you, uh, last thing we're going to talk about is I kind of want to know how does it work kind of being a, almost like an internet scout? I don't know like how you'd consider yourself, but that's what I said. Uh, is there anything lost uh, by the fact that you don't steal uh, a lot of these guys live? Or, or have we kind of advanced to a point where, you know, with all these crazy numbers and all these stats that we can just find at the click of a button where live scouting isn't necessarily as important as it was maybe 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, so, I mean, I by no means think that you know, me as a, like you phrased, an internet scout can do as good of a job as major league teams that are out there putting people, watching there, getting to know the kids, talking to their coaches. And I think that's one of the biggest important factors of the actual live scouting is getting to know the players, getting to know their family, talking to their coaches, seeing what kind of character they are, if they're a hard worker or not, is something that I can't see. You know, I can maybe watch an interview with them if they're a college player, or maybe read something somebody wrote, but if I don't get the face-to-face time with them or coaches, I can't get that. And that is an important part of deciding who you're going to draft eventually because the players that put in the hard work are the ones that take their talents to the next level. So I still think there's a lot of value into it. 
Now that being said, what I do primarily, you know, as a like you said, internet scout, is a lot easier now than it was even would have been even five, ten years ago, with so much information available. And you know, I got to thank places like Perfect Game and Baseball America and so many that are you know on the ground work doing that a lot. Of that gives you the information. They they record footage a lot of these players. Like you can go to YouTube and search any even high school player, and you can watch five ten top five ten videos on them, and really get a good feel for what does their swing look like, how much power do they have, how good of an arm do they have from the outfield, um, how smooth are they are playing shortstop or third base. You could you know really see these things you know that are there. And the same thing with pitchers, you can see what does his motion look like? Does he have good bounce? Does he have good control? What do, what do his pitches look like? Does he have a lot of movement with his fastball? Does his breaking ball break well, or does it, you know, kind of weak? You know, you can really start to see a lot of things with that video that, you know, while it's not perfect, it does get you a lot of the way. And I can really, I like to, before I start reading anything that any scout has ever written on a player, I like to try to watch as much video on that player as possible to form my own opinion. And then I like to go use the resources like Baseball America, Perfect Game, Fangraphs, MLB.com, D1 Baseball. There's countless of other places that you know also provide scouting ports. And I like to see what some of them have been there, that have you know, been there and see the player. I like to see what they say and you know see how that affects my opinion one way or the other. You know, I, I'm not just regurg- I don't want to just regurgitate information they're saying, but I kind of want to get a broad-based view of how everyone looks at it and help me more form my opinion. Um, I also think I do have a good advantage of getting to see a fair number of players live because I live down in Louisiana. Uh, I've gone to school at LSU for the last couple of years, so I get a chance to go to a large number of LSU games. Obviously, not only do they have a bunch of talent, but they also play big-time SEC competition every year. So I get to see a number of big players. Like um, like each of the uh, – so Spencer Torkelson, I got to see him play last year when Arizona State played in the Baton Rouge Regional. Um, Aisha Lacey, I got to see him pitch – last year um, against LSU and it was one of the most dominating performances I've ever seen live college pro. And I just fell in love with him as a prospect. And I remember at the time thinking like, this guy is going to be a top five pick. And a lot of people are talking to him as maybe, you know, end of the first round at the time. And I was just like blown away. And then here he goes, he was the the fourth overall pick in the draft. So it's just, I do get it some of a chance to see some of the really high end, especially college talent play, which is a nice thing to have too. Although it's really unfortunate that Aza Lazy had to go to uh, Kansas City. That's, I, I don't want to be dealing with that in like three to four years. Yeah, no, especially him along with two years ago, they took Brady Singer and Jackson Kowar, and especially Brady Singer, who, you know, just, just dominated his first couple of years. He, he might, I think, had the season not been shortened, there had been a good chance that he would have been up uh, by this, you know, by this season and you know, starting to pitch for them. So I think I really like what the Royals are doing, especially with their uh, pitching staff that they're building down in their farm system. I guess that's just the price of being a Twins fan, getting to have the pleasure of playing the Royals, Tigers, and White Sox every year. So Yeah, it's, just, it's so brutal. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I put together a list of, like, I think there's, like, 10 or so top five picks in the AL Central in the last four drafts alone. Oh, the, Twins, the Twins took Royce Lewis in 2017. Right. And then our competition between 2018, 2019, and 2020, there's been like nine players of, of division rivals taken in the top five, you know, oh, including man. the Tigers going first overall twice. And that'll so, keep going for probably two or three more years, but at least exactly. the Tigers, so, yeah, they will be good for a while. 
there's going to be a lot of uh, really good young talent coming into our division right. here soon. Now, does that mean they're going to be good? Who knows? But yeah, you never know. Just ask the twins of the early 2010 era. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Hey, are you hating on Alex Meyer? No, I'm hating on Alex Wimmers. Ooh, that was that was snappy. I'll give you credit on that. Yeah. One. Yeah, um, or Cole Stewart. I wish yeah. he would just. Oh. I just wish oh, he would have man. said no and just gone to play at. I think it was like Texas A and M. He was like a full ride quarterback commit. Actually, um, I Matt, wish that's a big advocate for Cole Stewart on this podcast. Yeah, yeah you heard really? me here saying that. <laughs> I don't know. I I think he's fine, but uh, no, I would have okay. rather just gotten a compensation pick and gotten to have like the number five overall pick in the next year's draft. That would have been nice. Yeah. Oh, well. On top of, I think, also taking Nick Gordon that following year too. Yeah. The court. And then whenever <laughs> Tyler J was yeah. right, yeah, all right, that's about it. Yeah, Gosh. Tyler J was just a whole, whole other can of worms. Yeah, let's not. I, I, yeah. I have nightmares of Andrew Benintendi, and yeah, but you know, I we, like to just think that. about the current regime and what they're doing. Right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Forget. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, well, it's interesting because, uh, and it was probably definitely which. Okay, that doesn't make sense, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> it was very likely that at least this year someone drafted by the current regime was going to make their debut because it hasn't actually happened yet, I do not believe. Uh, uh, no. Really. No, yeah. I think uh, Brent Rooker and Trevor oh, Larnack okay. were uh, both probably on pace to possibly make a major league debut this year had the season just gone as normal. I think a lot of people thought that Larnack is even ahead of uh, – uh, Matt, you might be able to speak on this more. I mean, you follow the minors more than I do, but I think Larnick was even ahead of uh, Kirilov. Kirilov, even. Um, now, granted, he's a year older than Kirilov, even though he was drafted two years later. But, um, you know, I think those two guys had a real shot uh, this year. Maybe Kirilov for Lewis, but I think Rooker and Larnick for sure. It's true. Although Kirilov was still, he was the old regime. He was like the last first round pick of them, which is. Yep. Kind of, kind of funny. That was an. Uh, thank you, Terry Ryan. You did something good in your last year, so I'll give you that credit. Went out with a bang. <laughs> went out, went out with the bang, and then immediately got fired. Yeah. As it happens. But uh, anyways, uh, uh, thank you uh, for talking to us about the MLB draft. Considering both Cooper and I know just about nothing, <laughs> so we greatly appreciated your expertise. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. For sure. Take it easy, Andrew. All right. You guys take care. All right, we are back. We're talking to Andrew. That was a fantastic conversation. I feel enlightened, personally. I don't know about you. I learned a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But too many, a lot of big words. I'm still processing, <laughs> you know, like bonus pool. I'm, no, just, no, it was good. Wonderful. Yeah, no, I just, I, great. No, I just finished my classes. So, like, any, any learning, I'm just like, dude, I got to. <laughs> no, I get it completely. Yeah, it's like. You know, big words. Thing I can understand like fan graphs, OPS. I'm still <laughs> processing OPS plus. Like, what? <laughs> what is that? What is that plus there for? Yeah, yeah. What is that? Oh. What is this? What is this algebra? Come on, get out of here. That shit. But yeah, that was an excellent conversation. And for two people that, uh, you know, I think many people know this, know nothing about the draft. It went. We got a lot out of that. So good yeah. for us. Good for us. So, so I guess 
we never brought it up with uh, Andrew, and I guess that was kind of on our fault. But there was a there's a really big topic regarding draft that we actually haven't hit upon yet, uh, and that of course was the number three overall pick, Max Meyer out of the University oh, yeah. of Minnesota. Which, first of all, I think it was I, I think it was ubiquitous that he was going to be like a top ten. You, I hope ubiquitous was the correct word there. I don't, I don't even know. That if that's not a word. Are you kidding? No, I, I know it's a word. I'm hanging up. <laughs> Fair. You, you uh, all, right, all right, all right. Let me, let me slow my roll. Uh, consensus. He was consensus like top ten at the very least, uh, top five hopefully. And then dude straight up went number three. I believe the highest pitcher taken actually, which surprised a lot of people. But uh, it was really good to see. Uh, he was the highest picked player out of Minnesota since I believe Paul Molitor. Uh, so yeah, that that's really cool to see. And I guess I'm a Marlins fan now. Weird. Yeah, the sad thing was I went on Marlins' Twitter account, and God, they hate him. They absolutely did not want Meyer. Like, geez, the comments were just like, this franchise sucks. Like, wow, all right, I don't pay much attention, but I thought this Meyer guy was good. Sorry, Miami. Should have gone somewhere else. I, people getting upset about the draft <laughs> the second it happens will never not be hilarious. Yes, the MLB draft especially, yeah. Yeah, especially the MLB draft. Where these players won't even see the majors for like four years. Right. You know? <laughs> oh, it's it's funny stuff. But Meyer, uh, uh, I, and I also I, d- I don't mean to flex, but I'm totally gonna flex here. Want to drop something? Uh, last year there was a Seattle baseball showcase. Cause again, I don't know if you've forgotten because we bring it up every time. I live in Washington. Uh, oh yeah, you're the weird time zone guy. Yeah. It's- yeah, weird time zone, but we're social distancing at the very least. Uh, about six. Uh, I was about to say a thousand miles. I know it's not that far, but uh, there's a joke being made there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we're that, different studios today. Yeah, <laughs> I think we already made that joke, but all right, yeah. whatever. Uh, anyways, there was a uh, Seattle baseball showcase. Where it was a bunch of college teams. I think it was six college teams. Uh, they were in uh, Seattle for a baseball tournament, and I actually watched uh, one of Max Meyer's starts against uh, San Diego State University. He went six, struck out eight. But Minnesota lost because they had five errors. It was kind of ridiculous, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was. Fun. Although to be fair, it was really weird because you know Safeco is a. Du- I I know it's not Safeco. I called Safeco. I right. hate I the new. It. I do too. Yeah, it's Safeco. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But they were. Uh, it's it's dome, and they had uh, they had the uh, the ceiling like covered, which is really weird because it was sunny out, so it was actually kind of really cold. Uh, not for like Minnesota standards, but like this is more chilly than it should be, uh, and so maybe maybe that played a role. I don't know, but anyways, there's that. Uh, the other part of that was one of the other teams was Oregon State University, who had Adley Rutschman. Um, so I got to see Adley Rutschman, a number one overall pick, and then Max Meyer, number three overall pick. So I, that's pretty cool. Oh huh, yeah, when was this? This was last spring. Okay. It might have might have been like March, Aprilish. So you saw them both in the same tournament? Yeah, in the same oh, tournament. Okay. Oregon, yeah, Oregon played after uh, Minnesota did. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Uh, I thought it was also really funny because when I parked in the concourse, it was like fifteen bucks, and when I was leaving, it was twenty-five bucks. So they oh. upped the price for the Oregon fans, which is hilarious. Oh. <laughs> that is pretty good. Well, oh man, well played, Seattle staff. But uh, I think. I think that's all I have on the MLB draft. Uh, like I said, like two minutes before, you can't really judge any of this now just because we don't 
I mean, we can't even judge drafts three years ago because, like we were just talking about, none of those players have made the majors yet, so we don't know. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, in four years when we're recording our uh, episode of that time, don't not do math. We will come back to this and say, you know, who knows where we're going to end up. But we will say, look, were we right? Because we made some bold predictions about the draft, I think. Like, that was a good pick. (laughs) Like we ever listened to our old podcast. (laughs) No, I would never. That's that's not a joke. Like, I would never do that. (laughs) Yeah, no, we don't do it. We just, even I don't do it, and I'm the guy who has to edit this stuff. (laughs) So. Yeah, I don't blame you, though. I mean. Like, you can't like you can't listen to this twice. Well, and I already know what happened. Like exactly, it'd be like watching a movie the second you finished it. It's like, come on. Oh well, ah, these things happen. But anyway, I believe this takes us to the end. Uh, got nothing else to talk about. I'll be very interested to see how this uh, sort of negotiation plays out now that the players' association basically folded and told the owners to go f themselves. So I. I have a feeling this week might be a little spicy, maybe even more so than it has been in the last few weeks. I don't know. Yeah, I think we've said that every week for the past few weeks, but yeah, I think I think this is the one where we're right about it. You know, it's finally this was get interesting. You know, fool, fool me four times, shame on yeah. me. <laughs> but uh, this is where we're at. But uh, I guess uh, self promotions. I actually didn't write anything this week. I took a week off because it was my finals week and I had to focus on two different massive papers and I didn't feel like writing. So call me lazy. I don't care, but that's what I didn't do. Uh, what did you do? Cooper? You still have school going on? No, I, it was finished. Last week was my finals week. Oh, I ended like probably more than like 20 days ago now. Jeez. Yeah, I know. I'm on a uh, quarter schedule, which is oh, okay. Really? Yeah, I know. I used to be on semesters at one of my colleges, and it was a lot like that. I think we got out like first week of May, and then quarters is like midway through June. They're like, "No, you're still here. We got you." It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, well, I also this is boring. I also took a week off for no reason. I'm just depressed about baseball, and I had nothing to write about. No motivation. And Tom said, if you don't have anything to write about, take a week off. So I took advantage of that. I, you know, I think that's entirely fair, though, because right. I, I think there's like this is massive, like everyone just has writer's block of like, what in the world can right. I possibly write about? Yeah, because it's just been the worst. <laughs> Whatever. I hate it. I hate we it all, here. We all hate it. Uh, I guess I'll say, as I mentioned this last week, the uh, our minor league draft and the, the fun zip stuff, and the, uh, what was it, the MLB The Show. Uh, I believe that stuff, we're going to start seeing kind of ooze out over the next few days. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. I think it's going to be actually kind of exciting, just because I didn't think this is where they're going to take it, and they did. So I'm excited. Oh, I'll, I'll be looking out for that. I, I, I know you're lying, but I appreciate it. Hey, it sounds more interesting than... Well, you know, it is a big nerd thing, but I like it. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Uh, anyways, uh, this is it for me, and I'll see you guys next week. It's next week.